Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts ridiculous history is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. We've got our super producer, guest producer, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Paul Blackjack Deccant, folks, is here with us live. Noel, I'm Ben. You're Noel. Yeah, we are they, live in Las Vegas. It's true. Uh, they call me the main smell, by the way. No, what was top it again? Smell. Top we Smell. We started calling you Top Sorry, Smell. I'm top. It's like Top Golf, but just the most popular of aromas. But we are coming to you today uh, live from the iHeart Podcast Studio, powered by Bose at the House of Music at the iHeart Radio Music Festival. We are very much. And it's nighttime, though. I said day. You may be listening to this during the day. So I was just kind of trying to tick all the boxes. Your chronological mileage may vary. Doing my best. So let's paint a picture right now. uh, Noel and I are sitting inside a booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a booth <laughs> on the grounds of the T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And we decided that we were going to have uh, our live episode tonight. Uh, we're going to treat it the way that we treat things when we're just hanging out as buddies. Well, that's how, I like to think that's how we treat every episode of Ridiculous History. But I'm picking up what you're putting down. That's, that's sweet. What we're saying is there's some background noise. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, we're, we're not directly in the pit, but we might as well be mm-hmm. because they have a whole PA set up outside with like video and stuff. So we're kind of right outside that. But 
we can suspend some disbelief, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's a good energy going by. You know, our pals, Annie Reese and Laura and Vogelbaum just walked by and they love podcasting too. So they were about to sneak into the booth. They were going to bum rush us, man. But then they didn't realize there were giant glass doors. We have had a few little intoxicated folks just like run into the thing like a bird into a back deck window. Doing stuff they don't want you to know. That's right. We did another podcast earlier. Um, But today we are here to talk specifically about something that we've definitely Address adjacently. Sure. Uh, Eugene V. Debs, you might recall. Ah, yes. Big figure in the labor movement. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a sort of a top smell. Really is indeed a top smell in that particular uh, department. Um, but we're talking, I think it may even have come up in that episode. Yes. The idea of what's the deal? What is the, uh, it's not even going to do it. What's up with the idea of not wearing white or was it wearing white mm-hmm. after Labor Day? It's like a faux pas. It feels like an old timey thing. It came up. We looked it up and it was like, oh, turns out it was something rich people invented to make themselves stand apart from the rabble. Which also goes back to, I didn't mention this on air previously, it also goes back to the idea of dress code as discrimination, which is how dress codes started. That's right. To begin with. Mm-hmm. Anything usually with code a, after it uh, in those days, probably not a good code, you know? And so we are, as is our want in Ridiculous History, we are going to learn more about a holiday shortly after it occurred. Yeah, we're good at that. <laughs> we're very we're good. good. Hey, I, th- I think we did okay. We're within a month, right? Yeah. Yeah, we want to give a shout out, of course, to another integral part of our show, our regular super producer, Max Williams. Uh, this ripping legend uh, is is too busy uh, to hang out with us. But recently, I thought you were referring to the ripping legend of his white pants. Yes, I thought you were, you were going to say, but he left us with this ripping legend, <laughs> which you know. they did. He uh, they allegedly did not rip, but he's still a legend. And remember, uh, he recently went to a, a wedding on a beach, and so Max like you or like me and hopefully like you ridiculous historians he loves 90s r&b he loves boys to men so mm-hmm. he bought a white yeah. pair of pants right he didn't he didn't have the white flowing linen shirt <laughs> or the or the or the jacket but he was halfway there he was halfway and there. that's what he said to living us living on a prayer he really was 100% uh he felt that this was a worthy investment um because it was a light you know, cool uh, white pair of linen pants. He but bought also, special underwear. He bought it. special underwear, as you would. You know, you you don't want it to. It's too if it's too sheer. You know, you might see the the line. Big cowardly through, I think, through the but, white you pants. Know, you got to make sure they match. Um, but it's half a suit. It's half a suit. It's the first part of the suit investment, which is not cheap. And it was halfway through September as well. And that's when it hit our pal Max. He said, I can't wear white right now because it's mid-September. It's after the national holiday we have here in the U.S., Labor Day. Yeah. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he still wore them. Uh, It was just he occurred to him that. Maybe I should look into this. And I think through all of Max's research, through our research, through our conversations with Max, we've determined that kind of wear white whenever you want. This is sort of a dated cliche at this point, but the history of it says a lot about the labor movement in general. Uh, It didn't occur to me until a little later, but you might uh, remember the terms, you know, white collar, blue collar, right? Mm -hmm. White collar jobs are typically like higher paying jobs, you know, more affluent type jobs and blue collar jobs are usually like manual labor jobs. And that had to do with the history that we're about to talk about here. What it meant to be able to wear white. 
not have to worry about getting motor oil on your collar or whatever, right. you know? Because you don't do the physical labor. And also, it's funny that Labor Day in the U.S. in modern times, everybody loves it because it's a day off of work, yeah. you know? You have a barbecue. We have barbecues together sometimes Absolutely. on Labor Day. Uh, but a lot of folks don't know the origin of that, and I question whether that origin has been purposely erased. You don't hear about the two union leaders in New Jersey who fought to take a day to recognize the hardworking, to your point, Noel, blue-collar people in their communities. So let's talk a little bit about the rise of the labor movement, the creation of Labor Day, and uh, why people are, to your point, not supposed to wear white after it. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, 
a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now. Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, as it stands now, you know, um, with that day of rest and the barbecuing and all that, it is meant to represent, you know, the achievements of the labor movement and to appreciate the labors of the laborers of the labor movement. How, how many labors are we at? Laborious. It's become <laughs> laborious. But, you know, that's the idea is yeah. to celebrate, you know, work, people that work. Both white collar and blue collar, but again, historically, a lot of organizing and unionizing and things like that have centered around jobs that were easily exploited by bad people in yes. high positions of power. Uh, they felt that they essentially owned these individuals and that before the times of regulations that protected these workers in the workplace so they could go to work and not fear for their lives— Mm -hmm. people were fearing for their lives. Oh, and also we made peace with Sheryl Crow. That was oh, pretty cool. Thank goodness. Although I did run away because you realize, you, you know, I told you and our pal Matt Frederick that one of her songs triggered an emotion. In Not me. an emotion. I don't have a ton of them. I know. And you were, I think you already had hit your quota. This could have <laughs> knocked you out. This man. was my third one. Oh gosh. But, but no, Could've right. Been. I mean, like before, you know, the, the, the advent of the labor movement, people were, putting themselves potentially in bodily harm just for the privilege of making ends meet for their families. Right. So the U.S. Department of Labor has uh, has a good primer on this. You can read it for free online. It's called History of Labor Day. And they point out it's always observed the first Monday in September, which, by the way, that's a negative for me because you know how I feel about all those holidays that are like, this is the, you know, what is it? Uh, Thanksgiving is like, this is oh, every the third Thursday, Thursday or, or whatever. Never, yeah, yeah. I, never remember. We, I don't think either of us know until someone more on the ball yeah. texts us. Let's just know that we have the day off. <laughs> and that's a shame. And it wasn't until 1886 that uh, a movement began that, you know, asked for this to be made a national holiday. And that's when some bills were passed that did just that pretty much a grassroots movement as well. Uh, it wasn't until June 28th, 1894, uh, that Congress passed an act making that first Monday in September of every single year a legal holiday in the United States. But what's interesting is in that explanation, the Department of Labor left out why Labor Day <laughs> was a thing in the beginning. That's the erasure I'm talking about. You know, uh, to your point, uh, let's go to Karen Zrig for New York Times. Karen points out that in the late 1800s, 
many people in this country, in the United States, including Las Vegas, uh, which wasn't built by that. No, not quite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the, many of these Americans toiled for 12 hours a day, seven days a week, often in really physically dangerous, very low paying jobs. And mm-hmm. this was, of course, the uh, the heyday of child labor in the U.S. That's right. Yeah. Karen puts it beautifully. Um, uh, well, it's tragically, but, you know, she writes very well. She writes very um, well. And, you know, to, to our earlier point, uh, the conditions were often very dangerous and there was nobody looking out for the workers to make sure that they didn't lose a hand or a limb or, uh, or their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She says children worked, too, on farms and in factories and mines. Conditions were often harsh and unsafe. It was in this context that American workers held the first Labor Day parade marching from New York City Hall to a giant picnic at an uptown park on September 5th, 1882. And, Noel, I love, you know, I love a protest. I love a march. But also... I love one that ends in a picnic. Call sure. me Yogi oh, Bear if you must. I love a, I love a picnic and I yeah. love a parade and I love a good headline, uh, which this one was "Working Men on Parade." That sounds <laughs> like a delight. And that came from the New York Times. Um, the article actually appeared on the very last page, um, which was kind of weak. I would say it seems like it should have gotten a little yeah. bit more, you know, preferential treatment than that. Yeah. Um, but it did say in in this. Uh, <laughs> buried lead that 10,000 people marched, uh, quote, in an orderly and pleasant manner. Boo, that's so, that's so patrician. Maybe, that's even, so... maybe that's why they put it on the last page. Maybe if they had like gotten a little rowdy, you know, it would have, it would have made bigger headlines. Some of these peasants may have military training. It's see intense. how they are, yes. see how they march in such an orderly manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not natural. <laughs> they, the workers were, uh, the workers were the Lower middle class, yeah, members of, the of city. members of what you might consider like guilds, you know, sure, uh, may, like you know, certain things like bricklayers and shoemakers and dressmakers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people working in printing presses, uh, people rolling cigars, folks working the dock. This wasn't yet an official holiday, and so what's interesting and tragic about this, and quite courageous, I would argue, is that a lot of those 10,000 people were risking losing their job by showing up, by participating in this parade, which was actually a workers strike across professions. That's right. In 1894, we've talked about this as well. We had the Pullman strike, which was a big deal, disrupting trade and disrupting uh, a lot of the rail movement there in the Midwest. Um, And at this point, you know, the federal government was not about this kind of behavior. Uh, There was no protection for striking workers. There was no protection for uh, standing up for your rights to not be exploited. And the government uh, totally crushed them. Right. It was like a strike-breaking type situation, like the Pinkertons, you know? Yeah. This is like, I mean, honestly, they may have employed the Pinkertons even. You know, oh, we heard sure. a lot about, yeah. you know, what do they call Boss Tweed and folks mm-hmm. like that, the the uh, Tammany Hall machine right. and all of that. There was a lot of breaking up these strikes and, like, you know, through physical force, through violence. Dude, in this parade, they, uh, they clearly had the people on their side. And that is the history of the labor movement on these signs in this parade slash protest that again ends in a picnic. 
I just like you know and a parade. Yeah, we love both these things. I'm terrible about it. I'm like, what did they have at the picnic? Anyway, on their signs, they call for stuff like less work and more pay. Make us only work eight hours a day and stop using convict labor. And the people cheered for them because there was a clear divide between the haves and the have-nots. And as you said, the Pullman strike absolutely rocked the United States. Mm-hmm. The Pullman uh, car company, going by the Pullman Palace car company at the fancy, time. Fancy cars. Super, mm-hmm. When we say cars, we're talking about like train cars, mm-hmm. you know, where this is also where a lot of the uh, weirdness surrounding the culture of tipping began. Yes, the uh, Pullman, it uh, yeah. was inherently a bit of a racist flex from the wealthy uh, towards these um, uh, African-American uh, porters. I wouldn't even say a bit. It no. was very bad. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the Pullman company lowered wages on the people who lived in these company towns, but when they lowered the wages, they didn't lower the rent. So this this company town, now part of Chicago, everybody- Wasn't lived- it called Pullman? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> in, a, in a burst of creativity. Yeah. Well. yeah. And so uh, people, obviously now they're getting robbed by their employer. There's no other way to look at it. Sure. Wage theft. Yeah. They complain. And the owner, George Pullman, Super humble guy. You can tell by the name of his company. He said, fire them all. And they striked and other workers caught on in the railway industry. And they were led by the guy you referenced earlier, Eugene V. Debs. Listen to our two-parter about Debs. I know Max loves him. Uh, And these folks, when they're striking, they said, look, if a Pullman car comes through here, we're not going to handle it. It is basically invisible. We're going to take the freight and passenger traffic to a halt. So they stopped Chicago, which is a huge economic hub at the time. Tens of thousands of people just left work. Those uh, strikes broke out. And then, like you said, they were fired upon. They were shot by authorities. Not just fired you know, by right. by the the fat cats, they were shot at, um, and we know that the American government is is not incapable of this kind of thing throughout history. I mean, you had like student protests at Kent State, you know, being rocked by violence from the uh, f- the government. You know, people being shot for literally just expressing how they feel. You know, yeah. And it's, it's speaking of the U.S. government. Let's shout out a super not great president, Grover Cleveland. Name like Grover. Well, I don't know. Grover, the, the, the Sesame Street monster is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grover Cleveland doesn't always get a top 10 listing of best presidents, but he signed this bill into a law on June 28th, 1894. And that's when Labor Day became a national holiday. People are still guessing whether he had an ideological or ethical thing. I mean, he was a politician. You know? Did he just want the votes? You and think? He is entirely think likely. Who vote? knows? Who knows? You know, who knows <sighs> what, what's what evil lurks in the hearts That's of men? I think it's the shadow <laughs> that knows. But um, yeah, he did do this thing, um, and it became a national holiday at that point. Looked a little different than what it does look like today. You know, sure. probably was more reverential 
back then, you know, because it was so close to the labor movement, you know. Now it's almost like people just kind of use it as an excuse to barbecue and don't really think about what it means. But to your point, Ben, a lot of these holidays that are on the fifth Thursday of, of the, the second sure. Tuesday of the month, yeah. it's easy to lose track, you know, and it's like sometimes it's good to think about history a little bit to remember why we even celebrate these things in the first place. Especially when we know it's ridiculous. This is something that stands out to me, to you, and to our pal Max as well. And, you know, speaking of collective action, one thing that is funny to me, funny to you, and I think funny to Max as well, is that Labor Day seems kind of uh, collective in its origin. History may never know who actually created it. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. 
<laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Isn't that funny? And usually in these types of stories, we did one on Mother's Day, Father's Day. Yeah. You know, usually you kind of know. And like, um, there's sort of like a. There's like at least like two. There's people, usually two, there's three usually people. some parallel thinking involved, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But with this one, it's it's a little bit different. Uh, we have some records that show that in 1882, a guy named Peter J. McGuire, who is the general secretary of uh, a, a kind of a, a very early, you know, union, the Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners, uh, and also a co founder of the American Federation of Labor, uh, said that there there should be, quote, uh, a general holiday for the laboring classes to honor those who, uh, and this is such good old-timey language, who uh, from rude nature have delved and carved all the grandeur <laughs> we behold. I from rude it. nature, rough hewn, <laughs> crawling forth from the slime of history. I love the way that was written. Also, uh, props to my pal Noel here because you improv the end of that, and it was fantastic. <laughs> thank you, yeah, I know. Thank you. It would be awkward if you did a bad job. Okay, You're always I, really I, good I, at thanks, it. Thanks, uh, so there's there are other issues. Other historians believe that a guy named Matthew McGuire, a machinist named Matthew McGuire, wait, wait. founded the related. No. Unclear. It's sort of like the old idea of. Uh, whether it was Robert Johnson, the guitar player who sold his soul to the devil at the mm. crossroads, or Bobby Johnson, the harmonica player. Oh, snap. They both could shred. That's for sure. They both I bet both shred. of them made deals with that old scratch. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing the wrong suit to talk about devils today. No, you look great, Ben. Oh, uh, did you just notice it just got really cold in here? I feel like yeah. shiver running. Maybe, maybe it's just the subject matter because we're maybe, getting into some cool maybe stuff. We are. Uh, so recent research appears to support this idea that Matthew McGuire was the originator of the holiday because he proposed the holiday in 1882 when he was the secretary of the Central Labor Union in New York. And a lot of this comes from They're both secretaries, both McGuire's never in the same room together. Oh, <laughs> which one which one was who's Tyler Durden? You tell me. <laughs> right. Uh so if you look at the New Jersey Historical Society, shortly after President Cleveland signed the law creating Labor Day as a national holiday across the United States, a paper called the Patterson Oh, Wheezy's coming on, man. You hear that? Yeah. You guys can probably yeah. hear that. Yeah. A, a paper called the Patterson Morning Call published an opinion piece, and Little Wayne loves this, stating that the souvenir pin should go to the Alderman Matthew McGuire of this city, who is the undisputed author of Labor Day as a holiday. And if you think about that, that's what six foot, seven foot is really about. Six foot, seven foot bunch. Come Mr. Tallyman, Tallyman Banana, that one? 
Oh, the the Wayne version of it. Oh, I don't know. This. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. But, you know, but that song is also about laboring and about like, well, it's probably about slavery, right? I mean, the tally man is not the guy's boss. It's more like his overseer, right? I, yeah. I think. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's a good question. And and that was a very beautifully done segue, by the way. They did the it's, best of could. You nailed it, bro. Well, anyway, I mean, yeah, Wayne is kicking it. I'm excited to hear but let's what he's get got to, the, to offer. No, we, we should. We, we got two, two Maguires. We, it doesn't really matter who established Labor Day. What matters is that it was established and that it was passed into law. And now we should all do a better job at remembering what it actually stands for. But, but what about the pants? What about the pants? What about you the pants? Think about the pants and the shoes, cereal mom. Has That's a huge right, you remind, point about this. Please. You, yeah, <laughs> by the way, also, speaking of Serial Mom, uh, John Waters just got, like, a like a Hollywood star, I believe, and just got, in, like, they have this huge retrospective of his work. Serial Mom is one of his lesser appreciated films, but it's pretty accessible. I think it's, I would argue it's more accessible than Pink Flamingos. It's way more mainstream. Yeah. And it's basically about, who is it? Uh, who's the, uh, Kathleen Turner. That's plays well, well done, yeah. The, the serial mom who yeah. is a serial killer who murders people for being rude and having bad manners. And yeah. there's someone who she kills brutally, disembowels, I want to say, for wearing white shoes after Labor Day. Yes, yeah. And, and this question of Labor Day and fashion may have stemmed from practicality. According to Amber Canical for Farmer's Almanac, she says before air conditioning was invented, clothing choices were important when you wanted to keep cool in summer, keep warm in winter. Yeah, hence Max's delightful sheer linen pantaloons. I think he just wants people to know he's been working out. I know, it's true. He does. He's got some He's got some good gams on. Yeah, he's got boys some gams. Boys got some gams. He's got um, some gams. But you're right. Like, think about the the, the, the the southern gentleman in his fine linen suit sitting on the front porch enjoying him in julep. I mean, feel this. We're Dude. in Vegas. I'm wearing a linen suit right yeah. now. But I, I would think there are even versions of linen that are even more sheer and, and thin sure, than that. Sure, sure. They're and very that, much hard. They're, you know, almost like silk, but like linen. That's very popular. It's like what what, uh, John Hammond wore in Jurassic Park. (laughs) I also, it is. I also, I have my uh, televangelist suit, but I stopped wearing it because, you know, it gives me the spirit. I hear you. But this is a thing, right? So Mm -hmm. this was in in a way, like also, the longer you wore this sheer linen kind of stuff, uh, it sort of showed that you could take vacations later in the summer and that you had a little more, uh, you know, mean. He had a little more ends. And then it became sort of a sign of decorum because it's almost like any further than that, than Labor Day, they've decided someone yeah. arbitrarily. Sure. Uh, it's really just nothing to do with Labor Day as, well, we have another version of the story that more does. But this version is more about the calendar time and like, it's just don't show off. Anything after that is is just showing off. And it's also a way of codifying a dress sort of um, sense, you know, like fashion trend kind of like standards you know what i mean yeah yeah because labor day is the unofficial end of summer so once that arrived historically people would start to wear warmer darker fabrics yeah like blue collar shirts right right we'll get into that and so fashion it's a good weave and so fashion uh the world of fashion decided we're making it official it's time to retire uh, that white clothing post Labor Day, and, and it was thought to be a sign that you were doing a good job of getting acclimated to the club. If you were nouveau riche oh, and yeah. you started to adhere to this schedule, yeah, yeah, yeah. then it was like, oh, they they get it. You okay, were aware you know, of we're it. gonna let them in a little bit more, you know. And then 
to your point, there's the other story, the idea that the rule came from the very wealthy. In the early 1900s, people wanted that lightweight, bright clothing, the breezy dresses. It meant that you were able to go on vacation, yeah. which a lot of people just can't do. That's right. I think I sort of mashed up yeah. the two reasons. No, a you bit. got it. No, but they are connected. I mean, the first one has just as much to do with the rich sort of setting the tone as the other. You know, again, it's like anything beyond that point is just kind of like showing off. And it's just a matter of sort of like setting the tone and sort of being like, this is the, it's like seasons in uh, fashion lines. You know, you've got the fall season and all of that stuff. It just people, love to have little weird rules that only they know about, you know? And so to keep this focused here, we are going to put a horse in the race, folks, <laughs> uh, because, you know, the 1% loves horse racing. If you don't want to practice this idea of white being verboten after Labor Day, then don't pay attention to it. Screw those folks. Oh, 100%. Certainly, you know, to, to our point at the top of the episode, and I think what we pretty quickly found in a cursory Google is that this is utterly kind of a non-thing, I think, even in the circles that maybe it used to be a thing in. Um, people, you know, fashion rules are made to be broken. Trends are made right. to be set by, like, you know, new people. And uh, it does seem to be, if you've got a pair of pants like Max, you let those, you wear those pants till they wear out in the crotch. Let you know? those ponies run. Let them ride. Let them <laughs> run. Ride them See, and let them run. Yeah, as far, as far back as the 1920s, fashion icons like Coco Chanel re quote-unquote right. revolutionized fashion and uh, the industry of manufactured aesthetics by keeping white as a permanent staple in her wardrobe regardless of yeah. the calendar. Where do you think J-Lo got the idea? Yeah, I mean, I texted her but I, probably someone else apparently it's in a rider that every or at least it used to be in the whenever she uh, was more popular uh, i guess she's still popular but that everything the furniture and stuff backstage had to be white the candles all had to be white j-lo loves white uh but to your point about coco chanel she was just you know being a, what do you call that an iconoclast you know yeah. but then if you do that with enough confidence it becomes the thing yeah, and there are still plenty of people who consider post-Labor Day white clothing a no-go, and that's fine. If you don't want to wear white after Labor Day, then don't. But you should not uh, consider yourself in charge of other people's decisions. If they, have a, if they have something they like to wear, then they can wear it whenever they want, no matter what it looks like, no matter the season. And I think we may have stopped just short of like the kind of end of the other theory about the white. Mm. Like we mentioned the idea of a blue collar and darker clothes and how white was sort of like, I can wear this year round because sure. I don't have the kind of job that will get me, get my collar all schmutzed Because up. I don't, what'd you say? Labor. I don't labor that much. Therefore, they, it was a way of them separating themselves from the have-nots who would have had to wear darker clothes. Think like a mechanics onesie, mm. you know, like a darker like denim or whatever. Or it might a cashew smudge. That is hundred percent. But that is where the blue collar, white collar kind of divide came. And that version of the story, to me, jives pretty well with the other version. That it was. They're very interrelated. I think the true, the truth of it lies somewhere in between the two. 
And hopefully we have solved the mystery a bit. We want to congratulate everybody who is hanging out as well as our, our pal, Matt Frederick over drinking here. Drinking from a coconut. Our pal, Andy Kelly. Drinking from a coconut. Both drinking from coconuts. You are listening to Ridiculous History live at the iHeart Podcast Studio, powered by Bose at the House of Music at iHeart Music Festival. We have so many people to thank, man. Eugene Debs. Yeah. I mean... He's the modern Eugene. He is. Yeah, he he really is. He (laughs) speaks speaks to the people. And Max, for the first time, I think, I mean, well, he's been away before, but he's not here. But he is here in spirit because he compiled this uh, this research doc for us. Thanks to our research associate, Mr. Max Williams. Thanks to our guest super producer, Paul, the Blackjack Emperor Deccant. Wheezy. I'm sorry. I just can't ignore him. He's just out there Mm -hmm. in full effect. Thanks to Wayne, uh, who, you know, Wayne, just you can just send... One DM, okay? I I, I get it. Uh, And thanks, of course, as always, to the continuing labor movement. Thanks to Christopher Osiotis, Eves Jeffcoat, both here in spirit, Gabe Luzier, Alex Williams. Alice Cooper. Mm -hmm. And thanks to you, Noel. Thanks to you, Ben. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio season nine. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 